this week we're seeing, we're looking at Jesus' claim to be the light of the world. I am the light of the world. John Pettit, he's, he's in here this morning. He comes to church here. On Tuesday night, we were right before our softball game. Uh, he and I were talking, and I found out earlier that day that he was stationed on a submarine. And I said, John, you got to tell me a little bit about this. And he said, the, the longest that he, uh, well, I knew a little bit about being stationed on a sub. I grew up in a, a military area, and I knew that you had to take a, a series of tests, psychological tests, different, uh, different uh, uh, tests before you would ever be stationed on a sub. And so I said, John, did you pass or did you fail because you were stationed on those? I don't know. Uh, he said, yeah. And then they did background checks, I mean, all kinds of things. And then ultimately, he was stationed on a submarine. He actually was stationed in the same uh, town, right next to the same town that I grew up in. So we had a fun time talking about that a little bit. And uh, I said, tell me about it. How long were you, how long were you on the sub? What's the longest amount of time you were there? He said, uh, we're under, you know, in the sub, under, under the water. He said, uh, right around 90 days, about three months, right around three months, he was on, on the sub. And, and I, I would ask him to share, and he was telling me, you know, that, that reality becomes distorted a little bit. Um, whenever they, they, they would come back uh, and, and come back to land, uh, John said that they were advised not to drive. Their eyes were not used to real, to the, to real light, to real sun. Uh, that Their depth perception was off. Reality was distorted. They had gotten so used to, to being underneath the ocean. They had gotten so used to the... the uh, uh, artificial light. They, they got so used to that, that, that their light, that their, their eyes and, and reality had become distorted. They got so used to it, they thought that was normal. When you're, when you're underneath the water, when you're in a submarine for that long. But when you come out, you don't do anything, you don't take any real chances, depth perceptions off, uh, you're not used to the light, your eyes are playing tricks on you. And so they were advised to, to, to take a few days, to be careful, a few days um, after they had come back to the land. And I got to thinking, wait a minute, that's, that's much like what the Bible teaches about us spiritually. I mean, we, when, before we know Christ, we're living in this world, and the Bible says that we're in darkness. Uh, but we don't even realize it. I mean, we're so used to that life. We, we think we see just fine, but we've never experienced light, real light before. And so our 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 uh, spiritually, we are life is distorted. We think everything's going well till we come in contact with the Savior of the world, real light. And the world is opened up. We see life in a different way. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and he claims to be the light of the world, illuminating the world for those who know Christ in a way that people that don't know Christ simply cannot comprehend or understand. So what I want to do is take a few minutes and kind of give you the prequel to what we just saw. Jesus heals this blind man, but I want to, I want to tell you and share with you what led up to that, the events that led up to this event. So Jesus, he's in the temple. There are crowds that have come from all around and they are they're, they're listening to Jesus talk. He steps up before the crowd. They're actually in the middle of a festival that the place is packed, and this is what Jesus says in verse 12 of John chapter 8. He says this, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am 
the light of the world. And with no ambiguity at all, in complete clarity, Jesus steps before the Jewish people, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and those that are that are uh, you know they're they're just spiritual they're they're just religious on during the festivals he steps before all of those people all of those crowds and with complete confidence with no ambiguity says I am the light of the world and every person listening to him knew exactly what he was claiming to be for I am was the the name of God all throughout the Old Testament. That that was the name, complete clarity. He said, I am, and made himself equal with God. And then he goes on, and he he, um, parallels or or attaches himself to another descriptor of God all throughout the Old Testament. When he says, I am the light of the world. Light is always associated with God in the Old Testament. So Jesus, standing before all the religious people, said, I am God. God, with no ambiguity at all, complete clarity, He claims to be God. The one that they had been waiting for for 400 years. They were waiting for a Messiah, and Jesus steps before them and says, that one you've been waiting for, the light that you've been waiting for, the the Messiah that you've been waiting for, the Savior that you have been waiting for, the light has arrived, and I am. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he says, if you will follow me, you'll you'll run after me, if you will search for me, if you will come after me, then you will receive the light of life. And then it gets awkward. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself and your witness or your testimony is not true. You got to use your imagination a little bit, but... Jesus stands up before all of the people. He stands before all of the, the, the religious people there in the temple. It's packed out. And he says, I am the light of the world. And somebody in the crowd stands up and says, you're a liar. Now, I am certain. I am certain that every person in here at one time or another, one week or another, has walked out of here going, that guy up there is an idiot. I mean, what he said is completely untrue. I mean, I just not following. What was he thinking today? But it would have to be a special sort of offense for me to stand up here and be talking and you to stand up in the middle and go, yeah, you're a liar. I mean, I'm going to start sweating and stuttering and everybody's going to turn and look at you. It's going to get awkward. But that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one you've been waiting for. Your ancestors Told you or passed down stories about me, the one that you've been waiting for. And somebody goes, liar. Look at how it unfolds. Next verse. We can get there. Let me just show my. Oh, there it is. Jesus answered. So they just called him a liar before all the crowd. Even if. I do bear witness about myself. My testimony is true. For I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. Next verse. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, I my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father 
who sent me. In your law, it is written. He leans on an Old Testament law. He says, in your law, it is written that the, test, uh, that the testimony of two people is true. So here's what Jesus is saying. If I, if I was going to stand up and I was going to make a claim, and then some outrageous claim or, or, you know, talking about something that happened. If I had a witness or two that came and verified my story in according to the Old Testament law, it was true. It was true. And so Jesus is saying, what I just claimed uh, is true. And let me, let me prove it to you. I'm going to lean on the Old Testament law because I'm going to have some people that verify my claim that I am the light of the world. Here, my testimony is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So he says, I claim to be the light of the world, and the reason that it's true is because I am bearing witness for myself, and the Father, God, bears witness for me as well. They're like, no, not true. I mean, you can't, you can't claim that God bears witness for you. I mean, who do you think you are? The light of the world? I mean, who do you think you are? It's like, yeah, that's exactly who I am. Keeps going. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Most commentators, most theologians think that he was, that the crowds were beginning to make fun of Jesus at this point. Because they thought that he was talking about his earthly father. They didn't understand and up to this point, Jesus is 31, 32, somewhere along in there. And probably closer to 32, closer to the end of his ministry. And um, uh, his father, his earthly father, Joseph, had not been on the scene since he was 12. So at some point in the last 20 years, his father, has, his earthly father, has died. And the crowds know this. Not only that, when his dad was alive, he was an uneducated man. So his testimony was not as um, well thought of it didn't carry as much weight as an educated man and so they're, they're, the most theologians most commentators think this question was to make fun of Jesus hey your dad is not even alive anymore I mean what you're saying that he's bearing witness for your claim and when he was alive he wasn't even educated we can't trust his word they just didn't get it they didn't understand it. Jesus answered you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The Apostle John closes out this, this text, the scripture, with an interesting side note. Said, hey, he, had me, he wasn't arrested. He wasn't arrested. Why would, he, why would he put that in there? I mean, why would he say no one arrested him? Here's why. Because his claim was so outrageous that every person listening to this, every person reading this in the, in the original intended audience would have thought they're taking him out. I mean, if you, if you, if you blaspheme God like that, they're going to arrest you and you're going to be taken out. You're going to be killed. And so John makes a point to say, he, he claimed to be God. They were furious. They did not understand. But they did not arrest him yet. Because his time had not yet come. 
And then Jesus walks out of the temple while they're saying, you, you can't claim that to bear, you can't bear witness for yourself. You can't, you can't claim that God, the Father, has, has bear, uh, bore witness to you. I mean, who do you think you are? And they're making fun of him and they're, they're thinking that he's a blasphemer. They're, they're discounting everything that he claims to be. And he walks out of the temple and he crosses by a blind man. Who had been blind from birth. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he saw light for the very first time. And it verified, once and for all, his claim to be the light of the world. After all, did you hear the man? The one who was born blind, he said, look, I don't know who he is, but we know he came from God because nobody has ever done this before. Verified his claim to be the light of the world. I close with two applications. So what? Number one is this. If you don't know Christ this morning, you are walking in darkness according to the scriptures. I mean, you think you can see your your eyes work, your physical eyes work, yes. But according to the scriptures, your spiritual world is dark. You cannot see clearly. In fact, you cannot see at all. You are walking in darkness this morning if you don't know Christ. Number two is to Christians, to believers. This week I was reading and listening to several people as they talked and and taught about this particular text. And the thing, the kind of the recurring theme over and over and over again was this. Specifically to believers. When we came to know Christ, we were brought into the light. We were were brought into the light. We we followed after Jesus and we got the light of life. And we we believe that because the scriptures teach that. When we we came to know Christ, when when Christ saved us and made us whole, we left darkness and we were brought into the light. But we have believed a lie, and it's this. That when we were brought into the light, that sin of our past no longer has a hold on us. That is true. But we believe this lie that we don't battle with it anymore. When we came into the light, sin no longer has a hold on us. Yes. But the lie is this, and it's, it's insidious. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's almost believable if you, don't, if you don't understand just how hideous it really is. It's this, that when we came to know Christ, that the sin of our previous life no longer follows us, no longer tempts us in our new life in Christ. We believe that we shouldn't deal corporately, not individually, corporately. We believe that that the sin of our past uh, should be a thing of our past, that it shouldn't follow us into our life with Christ. And when we believe this insidious lie, When we we believe this insidious lie, when we go back to that sin, when we commit that sin again, we don't tell anybody about it. 
Because we think we shouldn't be dealing with it anymore. And we take that sin into darkness. And we hide it there. In American Christianity, we believe this lie. That we just put on our Sunday best and we pretend like there's no sin that we're committing. That there's no sin that's following us around. That we don't deal with sin anymore. I mean, we know Christ now. It's not a temptation to us anymore. We put on our Sunday best and we act like everything's all right. While our, our world and the sin that we're committing is just destroying us on the inside. But we believe this lie that, that as Christians we don't deal with sin anymore. And so when we believe it, we take that sin and we put it in the dark. And we hide it there. And this morning I, from the bottom of my heart, would ask, beg if it would make a difference. To stop believing that sin, that insidious, heinous sin, or lie, excuse me, that the sin that you are dealing with, that you are battling against, that you are committing, should be something in the past, that it doesn't haunt you today. Let me give you some examples. Number one is this. Guys, you own a business or you have access to, to money that is not yours and you're stealing it. And nobody knows. And you think, I, 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 I mean, I, I had problems. I had problem. I had a problem with stealing before I knew Christ. I thought after I came to know Christ, that, that temptation, that sin would be in my past. I wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. And so you go into hiding. You don't tell anybody. Nobody's going to know who's going to hurt. I mean, sure, it's not my money. It's not, it's not rightly mine. But, but nobody knows. Nobody, it's not going to hurt anybody. I'll, I'll pay it back. One day. One day I'll pay it back. And you take a little bit more and then you feel guilty about it. And it weighs on you. But you don't tell anybody. You don't confess the sin. You don't take the offering of, of confession. You just go into hiding and it stays in the dark. And the result is that the the... The hooks of that sin, the, the, the roots of that sin go deeper and deeper and deeper in your life. Ladies, maybe you are addicted to pain pills. And you're like, my husband would never understand. My, she would never, he, he would never understand. I mean, what, what, would my, what would my home group think? I mean, if I confess this, if I talked about this, I mean, what would they think about me? And so you just pretend like everything's all right. You just th- pretend like there's nothing that you're dealing with, that there's no sin that, that's, that's, that's haunting you, that, that's, that's placing its grip on you, and it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And you just have decided, you know what, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just, I'll get over this myself. I'm not really addicted. I just take it all the time. I'm not really addicted. If, if I can get over this myself, I would beg you, I would plead with you to take the off-ramp of confession. Men and women alike, this morning, you wait till everybody goes to bed and then you get on the computer. And you look at things that you shouldn't look at. And you're trying to overcome it yourself. You know it's bad. I mean, it haunts you. It, it follows you. You feel guilty about it. 
You continue to go back to the pornography over and over, and you just think you can get over it yourself. And you keep it in the dark, and every day, the hooks go deeper and deeper and deeper. When you keep it in the dark. And I would beg you, if it would make a difference, to take the offering of, of confession and bring it into the light of life. You know, I could go on and on and on, and maybe, just maybe, I would get the sin that you deal with, or maybe I wouldn't. But you think you're hiding it. And that nobody will ever know. And maybe that's true here on earth, but I can promise you this. There are no secrets with God. And so I would ask you, to take the offering of confession and bring it into the light. Here's what I'll promise you. Here's what I'll promise you. Number one is this. I'll promise you this, that it, there will probably be consequences. Probably big ones. Number two, I will promise you this, it will definitely be embarrassing. You bring it into the light, you'll be embarrassed. There will probably be consequences. Number two, it will probably be embarrassing. In fact, I'll guarantee it'll be embarrassing. But number three, I'll promise you this. You will experience God's grace in a way that you have never experienced it before. Or at least in a very long time. And the fourth promise I can make is you will know the light of life in a brand new way. This morning, many of us, myself included, have believed the lie that when I came to know Christ, sin that I dealt with in my past, sin that I dealt with as a teenager, would be a thing of my past. And it's simply not true. The things that I dealt with as a teenager continue to haunt me as a dad, continue to haunt me as a married man. And if I believe the lie that I can just put it in hiding, that I don't have to confess it. That sin takes a little bit more of a hold on me and of my life every day. And it goes deeper, it roots deeper. Every time I continue to keep it in the dark. This morning, Jesus claims to be the light of the world. And that is exactly who he is. In him, there is no darkness at all. And today, believer, Christian, if you think that you can hide it from him, if you think you can, your sin is hidden from the light of the world, you have another thing coming. I mean, you have believed a lie. There is nothing hidden from him. Three results. Three results and if you continue to hide your sin. One of three results are going to happen. Number one is this. God is going to out you anyway. And you're going to face the consequences, but it's going to be on His terms 
It's going to be at, at a time of his designation, not as a result of submitting your heart and your life to the light of the world and taking the off ramp of confession. He's going to out you anyway in his mercy and because of his grace, he's going to out you anyway, believer. Number two, you confess it to the people that you have sinned against. You go to your boss and you say, look, I've been stealing your money and I have no plan to pay it back. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Whatever the consequence, if you have to call the, the police today, I will stay here. I'm not running away. But I have to confess it. I've got to bring this to the light. That's the second possible result. Number three, and probably the most scary, is this. You think you get away with it. And it kills you. Physically, the Bible talks about this. It kills you eventually physically and destroys your life spiritually. And all along, each and every time you think, I got away with it one more time. I got away with it one more time. I got away with it one more time. And you keep it in the dark and it destroys your life. This morning, if you have believed the lie, and we have all believed the lie on one level or another, at some point or another, that sin can be hidden from God and hidden from those that are closest to us. Bring it into the light through the gift of confession and understand, know, experience grace and the light of life in a new way this morning. Let's pray. Father, for those that may not know Christ this morning, I pray that they would experience light and grace for the very first time. Father, for those that are here this morning that know Christ, but have believed the lie that they can hide sin from you. Lord, I pray that confession would happen. Father, I pray our prayer would be like the psalmist David. Search my heart, Lord. Search my heart. All of it. Every corner. Every closet. Search it. Know me. And in doing so, experience your love and your grace, your forgiveness and life. In Jesus' name. Amen.